Hola and welcome to Catholic View. I'm Sheila Pierce. Thank you so much for joining me this Wednesday evening. Coming up in today's broadcast, we take a look at Africa Week as the continent gets ready for Africa Day. But for now, though, do stay with me as I'm about to bring you up to date with just some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. So do stay tuned. Hi, I'm Archbishop Peter Wells, Apostolic Nuncio. Thank you for listening to Radio Veritas, the good news for a change. And in your headlines this Wednesday evening, we take a look at Pope Francis' general audience. Donald Trump and Pope Francis discuss peace, dialogue, support for immigrants. And one billion children suffer some form of violence every year. Good evening once again, I'm Sheila Pirish. At today's general audience, Pope Francis continued his catechesis on hope, using Jesus' encounter with the two disciples mourning his death as an example. The disciples, not recognizing Jesus until the breaking of the bread, are an example of Jesus' therapy of hope. According to the Pope, such hope is a patient accompaniment that gradually opens us to trust in God's promises. The following is a summary of Pope Francis' catechesis. Dear brothers and sisters, in our continuing catechesis on Christian hope, we now consider the risen Jesus' encounter with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Unrecognized, the Lord walks with them and listens as they tell of how their hopes were shattered by the tragedy of the cross. Jesus then slowly opens their hearts to a new and greater hope by explaining how the scriptures were fulfilled in the suffering and death of the Messiah. Only later, in the breaking of the bread, is he revealed as the risen Lord, present in their midst. He then disappears, and the disciples return to Jerusalem to bring back the good news. The Emmaus account shows us Jesus' therapy of hope, based on a patient accompaniment that gradually opens us to trust in God's promises. It also shows us the importance of the Eucharist, in which, like bread, Jesus breaks our lives and offers them to others. Like the disciples, we too are sent forth to encounter others, to hear their joys and sorrows, and to offer them words of life and hope based on God's unfailing love, which accompanies us at every step of life's journey. During his first international trip as U.S. President, Donald Trump met with Pope Francis at the Apostolic Palace in the Vatican this Wednesday morning. During the half-hour conversation with the Pope behind closed doors, the two discussed issues of peace, interfaith, dialogue and religious freedom, as well as the role of the American Church in education, healthcare and support for immigrants. Philippa Hitchin reports from Vatican Radio. Pope Francis and U.S. President 
President Donald Trump met in the Vatican on Wednesday discussing issues of peace, interfaith dialogue and religious freedom, as well as the role of the American church in education, health care and support for immigrants. The American leader spent half an hour in private conversation with the Pope behind closed doors in the Apostolic Palace before meeting with Vatican Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Parolin and Archbishop Paul Gallagher, the Holy See's foreign minister. A statement from the Vatican press office said during the course of the cordial encounter, the two men discussed the good bilateral relations that exist between the U.S. and the Holy See. The statement expressed the hope for a serene cooperation between the state and the Catholic Church in the U.S., which is committed to serving people in the fields of healthcare, education and assistance to immigrants. It said the Pope and the President also exchanged views on international affairs and on the promotion of peace through political negotiations and interfaith dialogue, mentioning especially the situation in the Middle East and the protection of Christian communities. Trump, who was accompanied by his wife Melania, is on the third leg of a nine-day presidential tour that has already taken him to Saudi Arabia, Israel and Palestine. During the traditional exchange of gifts, the President gave the Pope a first edition set of Martin Luther King's works, together with an engraved stone from the civil rights leader's memorial in Washington and a bronze sculpture of a lotus flower entitled Rising Above. Pope Francis presented Trump with a sculptured olive tree, telling him, it is my desire that you become an olive tree to construct peace. He also gave the president a signed copy of his 2017 peace message entitled Nonviolence, a style of politics for peace, and a copy of his 2015 encyclical letter Laudato Si on protection of the environment and care for the most vulnerable. After the papal audience, Trump was taken on a tour of St. Peter's Basilica and the Sistine Chapel before meeting with Italian President Sergio Mattarella and with Prime Minister Paolo Gentiloni. Melania Trump, meanwhile, paid a visit to Rome's Bambin Gesù Children's Hospital, the largest pediatric research centre in Europe, while the president's daughter Ivanka had a meeting with victims of human trafficking organised by the lay Catholic St. Egidio community. And here's some amusing facts about Trump's papal visit in the Vatican. U.S. President Donald Trump's visit to the Vatican on Wednesday morning with a motorade of 62 vehicles was full of small humorous acts. He was greeted by German Archbishop Georg Genswein, who accompanied him through the Apostolic Palace and even had a comment hopefully the president could relate to. It's a little bit like the Trump Tower in New York. <laughs> Then Pope Francis came to greet President Trump, and the two exchanged initial words. While there was no White House interpreter present, Monsignor Mark Miles from the Vatican was inside the 30-minute private meeting the two leaders held. Meanwhile, Melania and Ivanka Trump were waiting outside in their traditional black and veil, which is seen as a diplomatic gesture. When Melania entered to greet the Holy Father, the two exchanged some words before he blessed a rosary for her. As for the gifts, Trump gave the Pope a series of books. The Pope, on the other hand, had a theme with his gifts, peace. He gifted him the medallion representing peace, when leaving, Melania had to be told to salute the Pope before she accidentally said goodbye in French. Trump said goodbye to the Pope with many thank yous and a firm handshake.
And now a brief look at some African news. The UN envoy to Mali has said that the current wave of indiscriminate attacks against civilians, governments and international forces in that country aim to undermine efforts to bring peace and stability to the West African country. Jocelyn Sambira reports from UN News. The current wave of indiscriminate attacks against civilians, government and international forces in Mali aims to undermine efforts to bring peace and stability to the West African country. That's what the head of the UN mission there, Mohamed Saleh Anadif, said following the death of two peacekeepers in Aguelhoc, Kidal region, early Tuesday morning. Another peacekeeper was wounded in the attack. They were ambushed while conducting a routine foot patrol in the area. The Secretary General, through his spokesperson, extended his condolences to the families of the fallen peacekeepers. Ethiopia's former foreign minister has been elected director general of the World Health Organization for the next five years. Here is UN News Jocelyn Sambira. During his pre-election speech on Tuesday, Dr. Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus highlighted the opportunities provided by the Sustainable Development Goal Agenda in improving the health and well-being of people everywhere. The new WHO chief has promised to focus on delivering universal health coverage. At present... Only about half of the world's people have access to health care without impoverishment. This needs to improve dramatically. The path forward is really clear. The sustainable development goals give WHO an opportunity to dramatically increase access to health care. Dr. Tedros will be the first African to hold the position, media reports say. He served as Minister of Health in Ethiopia, where he led a comprehensive reform effort of the country's health system. During his tenure, more than 3,500 health centers and 16,000 health posts were created, and he initiated financing mechanisms to expand insurance coverage. And finally, speaking at the launch of a new publication on protecting children against torture in detention hosted by the UN in New York, the UN Special Representative on Violence Against Children, Marta Santuspaich, said at least one billion children in the world suffer some form of violence every year. Today we are paying a very special attention to children who are victims of violence and looking at situations that have to do with children being tortured when they are in centers of detention because allegedly they have committed an offense. Now when you say ill treatment, what are you specifically referring to? It may be physical violence, you know, a child who is in in a prison may be very easily pushed, kicked, hit. It may be a question of psychological violence, you know, a child who is threatened systematically, but it may also be situations of sexual violence in prisons, in orphanages, in uh, centers for mental health. What was the goal of today's meeting? To launch a very important study that brought together articles from more than 30 global experts who have been dealing with situations of violence against children and very specially situations of extreme violence such as torture when children are deprived of liberty. And when we say deprived of liberty, we mean children who are placed in institutions from where they cannot leave at their free will. So an orphanage may be a place where children are deprived of liberty. But you know, in more than 80% of the cases of the 
8 to 10 million children who are placed in orphanages and similar institutions, there is this perception that the institution will do a better job. And we know that the institution is very often a place where the child will be more easily neglected, less stimulated, will be ignored in his or her suffering and trauma. And how do you propose to stop this? Our meeting was designed to raise awareness about these dramatic situations where children find themselves. There are at least one billion children suffering some form of violence every year. And many children end up being deprived of liberty, placed in detention, because they live in the street when they have no other place to go. We want to expose this dramatic reality to sensitize and mobilize support to prevent and address it. And one very important strategy that came across through all the discussions we had was we need to support children and families better. Violence, stigmatization and sexual as well as psychological abuse are just a few of the violations children deprived of their liberty face on a daily basis. More than 30 international children's rights experts have pooled their knowledge in an effort to strengthen the protection of these children. They also underscore the obligations of states and analyze practices within the justice and criminal justice systems. And according to Archbishop Stephen Brislin of Cape Town, the president of the South African Bishops' Conference, one out of every five children in South Africa suffers sexual abuse. The Archbishop reported that alcohol and drug abuse are factors in many instances of abuse and that the answer to sexual abuse is not merely investing huge sums of money in the criminal justice system, but increase efforts to provide for better family life and interventions in dangerous situations. And that was a brief look at just some of the stories that made headlines in the Catholic Church and in Africa today. Thank you once again for joining me this Wednesday evening. It is Catholic View on Radio Veritas 576 AM, otherwise on 870 DSTV Audio And my name is Shayla. Thank you so much for joining me. Coming up next, we take a look at Africa Day celebrations. With a continental focus gearing up to celebrate the 54th Africa Day celebrations, with its anniversary taking place, of course, on the 25th of May, the J.M. Busher 54 Races for Peace and Unity is fast gaining momentum and attraction, with its inaugural marathon kicking off in Zimbabwe on Africa Day. Now, South Africa will host its race on the 28th of May at the Rain Stadium when the city of Joburg, Simunye will take place. Now to find out more about these wonderful celebrations, I spoke to Roda Maposa. At the Jim Pusher 54 races, uh, we have embarked on a, a journey. We, we have seen that uh, peace 
really is, is, is very important to, to our lives and it's essential to our overall well-being. So we started a foundation, or rather an NPC, uh, called the Gender 54 Races, that seeks to promote peace and unity. We, were, we deliberately chose the month of May as the African month to celebrate and call upon Africans and citizens to you know, pledge and um, promote peace and unity. And also in celebrating the founding of the AU, uh, as you'd know, um, then called, which was previously called the Africa Unity. On the 25th, 25th of May, most of the African countries uh, would have that particular day as a holiday. However, we have not achieved that as South Africans. So we are saying this is our, our month and therefore let all the citizens come together and unite in celebrating African, Africa as a continent and, of course, promoting peace and unity. But on the 28th of May, as the 54 races, we are having a race as uh, we, we've used various tools to promote peace and unity. And we've identified the marathon and, of course, the fun walk. We, you know, it's a sport that promotes social cohesion. And as we, as we both know that, it is a mass uh, participated uh, sport by various people of diverse, you know, color, race, religion. So I think we've identified marathon as one of the sporting codes that can bring our people together. the heart of the J.M. Bush 54 races for peace and unity in Africa lies the power of people who believe in a better, more peaceful, more unified South Africa and Africa as a whole. I think we've seen um, through human history that, you know, regrettably, um, wars and, and conflict and disagreements or whether political differences and, and, and so forth and so on have been the hindrance of uniting our people. So I think at some, what we're saying is um, each and every person should take responsibility to be the agents of change, the agents of peace. So therefore, what we're doing is, given what we've seen in our country <clears throat> recently in Rosettenville, We took that particular race in Rand Stadium, which is just a few kilometers to Rosettenville, where we're engaging our people to say, we are one, we are Africans, and therefore the mindset shift should begin where we invest in, 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 in promoting peace. Because if we don't do it, we're not fostering future generation to really be the positive uh, society that would like them to be. I'm so happy to be a part of this continent. All your sisters and your brothers and your friends. Let's get together, let's always and let us dance. Let's unite and give ourselves another chance. The race in its inaugural year forms part of a citizen-driven initiative with an extraordinary vision, 54 countries, 54 races, 
call on Africa Day, all for peace and unity. In celebrating Africa Day and driven by the quest for peace and unity, the fun walk or run races and marathons are set to become a highlight on the runner's calendar. Definitely, Sheila, it's important that various structures and organizations are coming together to really promote and advocate peace and in unity. And I think you've mentioned um, the race on the 25th. Uh, I must also highlight that the 27th, uh, 54 races uh, for peace and, and unity, is, is, it, 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 it's, it's our inaugural year uh, this year. And we are hoping that in, in next year, in 2018, We'll have all these races in 54 countries uh, within, in, around the continent. And yes, with the 54 races for peace and, and unity, our aim is to ensure that we, we don't, this does not become an event. We want to create a culture. So the actual organization itself um, really believes that, as I said, peace is the foundation for social and uh, economic development. And therefore, we have various programs that supports it throughout the year, one being the using sports uh, to unite our people. And we also have um, a, a platform that educates people who have seminars. We, we have, we, last month, uh, we invited all the CEOs and decision makers to say, what can business do, the role of business in ensuring that they promote peace and unity? And we also have what we call the student ambassador, uh, where we have, across the nation, and like I said, the vision is to ensure that we roll it out across the continent. The student ambassadorship, we invite students to come up with solutions to various problems that are affecting our continent. Of course, you, uh, both uh, you and I can agree that, um, you know, the young, young people are the future of this continent, and therefore, how do we ensure that in everything we do in our dialogues and when we seek solution, we are inclusive, and they are involved, and they become part of the solution. So the Gen Push of 54 races, after this particular race, will be focusing on implementing or rolling out the student initiatives where uh, the winning solution would receive, will receive 50000 towards the tuition fees or, of course, towards any business um, endeavors they may, be, um, uh, they may want to venture into. So, like I said, we want to create a culture and not just an event, a once-off way, tomorrow nothing happens. And, of course, educate our people that Africa is one of the wealthiest continents in terms of national and, and natural resources. And yet all these conflicts and disagreements are basically the hindrance towards us really achieving or reaching our full potential as Africans. How do we come together and ensure that we leverage on all these uh, natural resources in the world around the continent to translate into economic growth as a continent? And that was Roda Maposa talking to us about the J.M. Busha 54 Races for Peace and Unity in Africa, an event slated for the 28th of May, and that will be taking place at the Rand Stadium, 28th of May. Make sure to be there, do your part, show your support, and be a proud African.
That brings me up to time. This has been your Wednesday's edition of Catholic View. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back again tomorrow at the same time. Until then, God bless you and ciao, ciao. I'm Sheila Pirsch.